sound a little bit different than you expected, kind of dance music here in the church. Um, but the Psalms is a hymn book. In other words, it's a book of Psalms, songs. Psalms is a book of songs. And so we have our summer sermon series is called Summer Playlist. Each week we look at a different song, in other words, a different psalm. And this is what the people of God used many centuries ago when they came together corporately and also individually uh, to sing. And often, as you read through the psalms, you'll see there were times when people were dancing. And so this was probably not the kind of music they would have had back then, but maybe it would be appropriate for some people today. Not me, because this is like my only dance move here. I'm not really a dancer, but um, it's great to, uh, if you can, it would be one way that you can glorify God and worship Him, using those kinds of, of skills too. All of those words, though, were from uh, the Psalms. And today we'll look at Psalm 98. Uh, so if you want to open your Bibles, if you have a phone on your Bible on your phone, uh, look at Psalm 98. We'll look there shortly. I just want to give a little of, uh, background again about Psalms. This is our third sermon in the summer playlist, Psalm 1 and then Psalm 32, and this week, Psalm 98. These aren't just randomly, haphazardly chosen psalms. In the psalms, there are many different genres. Some are uh, praise. Some are like just singing a bunch of praise to God. Some are actually laments, where people are depressed, and are just like, why is this even happening? And other songs are songs that were, were meant to... Um, used sort of like a coronation ceremony when, when, when someone is being crowned the king, and so they're, they're praising uh, the king of kings. There's different kinds of psalms. And uh, today we'll look at Psalm 98. Sometimes, though, um, we'll get to that in a second. Just a little bit of a background. If you have this on your notes, it's blank. You can write some stuff in there. There are five books. So there's actually five hymn books, and it's all in uh, psalms. There are five books in psalms. Uh, five books is a... Um, it's uh, very meaningful for the people of Israel uh, because of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, five books, uh, the books of Moses. And these five books uh, in the book of Psalms coincide to uh, different eras uh, in Israel's history. So it helps us a little bit understand maybe where the psalm is coming from or, or what is, uh, what's the background um, in, a, in kind of a general way. So the first two books... Book one and book two, as you're reading, depending on what translation you have, it'll say book one, and then you get to um, the end of that book, it'll say book two, and it'll say book three. Book one and book two um, start, uh, they have the, the background of um, King David. And when the Israel had, Israelites, they had a king. And so this was all about uh, kind of that there, so many of those songs, psalms, uh, were written by David. But in other books, like only one psalm in book three was written by David. Because that was when the moniker, the, king had, the kingship, the kingdom had fallen apart. So book one and book two, if you're reading in those two books, uh, there's a lot of king kind of type psalms. Then as you know, if you're familiar with the history of the people of God, the people were, um, the, the kingdom was torn apart and it was ransacked and people were taken away. And they weren't living in their homelands, they were living as foreigners and strangers for a long time in another country with other gods and other religions. And so book three uh, coincides with uh, that era. And so there's a lot, book three has some of the darkest psalms, like Psalm 88 and Psalm 89, where we read that and think, wow, how could someone who loves God say these awful things? But there are a lot of a lament um, psalms in that part where, you know, where is God? Like, why, why is this happening? These kinds of things. And then in book four, um, it's... Um, what is book four about again? Uh, they are, even though um, the, kings, the, the monarchy and King David's line is not really in existence right now, 
they're still praising God because he is the king, and he is the king. Despite how things look, this is, uh, you are reigning and you are the king. And this is where our psalm today comes in place. And then book five uh, looks forward um, to that time when the king comes in all his glory, and this is his kingdom, and evil is eradicated completely. And so there's a lot of songs, hallelujah songs, and, and things looking forward to that. So anyways, just a little bit of background uh, as you're reading the psalms. Sometimes it's helpful to know which book you're in and how it coincides um, with with the history of Israel. So if that's helpful, then that is great. Uh, if not, that's okay too. So let's look at Psalm 98. Many psalms uh, have titles, and these titles uh, were in the original Hebrew, and they, uh, they tell us a little bit sometimes of the background of the psalm. Uh, when was this written, or who was it written by, or what was it to be used for? So maybe this psalm was to be used when, when people are going into Jerusalem for a big festival, or maybe this psalm was used for another reason. So for example, some of these psalms... Um, these titles are quite helpful. For example, Psalm chapter, not chapter, sorry, Psalm 3. Um, the title says, A Psalm of David, so we know David wrote it, when he fled from his son Absalom. So if we're familiar with that story, we're like, oh, I remember that. So this is, this is that, where, why he's writing this psalm. And we could go to 2 Samuel 15 to learn more about that one. Another example, Psalm 57. The title says, For the director of music... So maybe if they had a worship pastor or whatever at their, their time, uh, to the tune of Do Not Destroy. So they probably had a popular song that people knew. So using that tune, right, and just putting different lyrics to it, um, of David, a Mikram, when he had fled from Saul into the cave. Do you remember that story uh, from Sunday school time? So that, that gives us a good context, right, to read that. So let's look at Psalm 98. Open there and let us see what the title of Psalm 98 tells us. Do you have that there? Here's the title, a psalm. So not all titles are extremely helpful. But this does tell us, uh, remind us, that it's a song. So it's poetic, it's meant to be sung, it's used in corporate worship settings and also uh, individual worship settings. So anyways, um, it's funny, eh? why do they even include that title? Not sure why, but it's a psalm. So there you go, Psalm 98. But we do know that it's in book four. So this is looking back. Um, when the, the king, the monarchy is kind of falling apart, it looks awful, but in spite of how things look around us, God is the king and he is still reigning. So let's look, work through this. This psalm has three um, stanzas. I know it's kind of an odd word, but I'm going to say stanza instead of verse, because you may have chorus and verse and chorus and verse. There's basically um, three verses, but it sounds like it would get mixed up with like Bible verses, right? So there's three stanzas. Uh, verses 1 to 3 is the first, and then verse 4 to 6 is the second, and verse 7 to 9. So it's kind of like with the three different sections, the background will change as we move into the next um, stanza, and those are, it's written like that in your notes. So let's begin. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Sing to the Lord, just some notes when you see the Lord, L-O-R-D, all, in all caps. Do you remember what? That means, why is it not just capital L and small O-R-D? When it's capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D, this is the most holy name of God, the name that he used to introduce himself to the people of Israel. And we are pretty sure that it would have been pronounced Yahweh. But we're not 100% sure because no one ever spoke that word out loud. It was too holy of a name. And so they couldn't even write it. So when they, they would use this word Adonai, which meant master or lord, um, and made it all caps so that the people of Israel, we know, okay, this is talking about 
that name that is so holy that we can't even say. So anyways, that's just what, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand uh, and um, his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. In Psalms, often um, he's talking about this uh, salvation, his right hand has worked salvation for him, but what specifically? It doesn't say specifically, right? It's, it's a psalm. But this is good for us because even though this was written like maybe 3,000 years ago, it's generic. If they look back, if the, the original readers or the original singers of the psalm would have looked back at the many different times where God had worked salvation, where God had saved them, maybe from their enemies. Uh, they could remember crossing the Red Sea, or remember when they used to be living as slaves in Egypt, or, or all these wonderful acts that God had done. So it could be used um, for different scenarios, different times in history where God acted. We can use it the same way, even though this was not written in our time. We can look, remember that time when I prayed and God answered? Remember that time you prayed for me and, and, and I was healed? And we can look back at different, use this for in our own situation. Sing to the Lord a new song. Why are we going to sing a new song to him? Because he's done such great things. And each of us might have different stories, and our church has stories too, where we can relate to that. So he has done many really good things. Sing to the Lord a good song. Let's keep uh, verse 2. The Lord, again, capital L-O-R-D, has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness uh, to the nations. So here we have, uh, who's singing this verse, verse uh, stanza? The people of God are singing about God's salvation, but the people outside are, are seeing it. So they are, they're, they're seeing that his salvation is being known uh, to all the people around. His salvation and his righteousness is being known to the nations. Verse 3. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. And again, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of God. So you see in your notes, this is looking to the past, remembering what God has done for us. And he's been amazing. He saved us from all these different things. And so we're singing to God for this. Who's singing in, verse, in this first stanza? The people of God. The, peop the people who don't consider themselves the people of God, those who are outside of that, whatever that is, they can see the salvation. They see what's going on. So this was looking to the past. We're praising God for what? For his salvation. The next verse changes a little bit. So this is, well, also, a whole country is singing right now. That's pretty, it's pretty, um, it's pretty wild. Like, we, we, see, we can sing pretty loud here, right? But this is only so many of us. The whole city of Winnipeg. Imagine the whole country of Canada praising God. That's pretty big. Now, verse, next uh, stanza. Verse 4, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. It keeps getting louder as we go through the psalm. Now it's not just a country, now it's the entire earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Next, verse 5. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing. So I imagine, have you ever seen a harp being played? It's a little bit rare these days, but it's beautiful, right? It's really, it's huge. But it's not very loud, is it? And um, I don't think they had amplification, you know, stereo systems or, or microphones back then. So as I read this, I think, how, how are you going to hear the harp if there's all this singing, right? I mean, the, who's singing right now? Like, the, whole, the whole earth is singing, and yet there's this harp. I think, how does that work? Let's keep singing. I mean, keep reading. Verse 6. And then there's trumpets. With the blast of the ram's horn, like... Can you even make notes with a ram's horn? Like, isn't it just like one, like, like 
something I imagine that they, they do at the World Cup with a big long thing, and how is that even musical? And yet, how do you hear the harps? And then there's trumpets and singing, and I, it sounds a little bit chaotic to me when I read that. Can you imagine what that might sound like? Like the whole earth, okay, not just like Canada, it's like everyone in, on earth. That's pretty loud. I imagine maybe it's a little bit like how our youth group sings happy birthday uh, to each other. Like they just sing whatever key they want, however fast they want, however slow they want, and some kids just scream the entire time. Is that, do you still do that? Yeah, okay. Shout for joy. And actually they're pretty happy when they sing. That's, this is it. This is about our youth group. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. But it sounds so, so loud and kind of chaotic, but it's like it's a joyful sound. And guess what? Um, it even gets louder in just a minute. But this is um, praising God for his kingship. See, we shout for joy before the Lord. If we can get through all that noise, all that clamor, we see that we started praising God, singing for his salvation. Now we're singing because he's the king. And now it gets even louder. How can it get louder than like everyone in the whole world singing? And like the trumpets and like a ram's horn. How would it get louder than that? Let's look at verse 7. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Next verse. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. So now it's like not just every person in the world. It's like everything in the world is praising God. Like how would... Rivers praise God anyways. What would that look like? Would it be like completely calm, like perfect for water skiing, like a glass? Or would it be, oh, it tells us, yeah. They clap their hands. What is that even? How would a river, or mountains, how do mountains sing together? For, like, they don't even move, right? They're just like stoic. Or maybe, maybe it's volcanoes erupting. Maybe that's how, but that could be destructive, right? But how would rivers are clapping their hands, mountains singing together for joy? Next verse. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. The whole creation, not just every single person and every animal, but like rivers and mountains and like grass and flowers and trees are now praising God. See how it got even louder, louder than harps and trumpets and ram's horns? But it's appropriate. Is it not for, um, for creation to praise God? Because why would that be appropriate? Because he created it. He created the rivers, and so they are responding by praising him. Look at, um, I'll read from Romans, and um, you can flip there if you want, but just let me read it to you. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 27. This is Paul. It says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice. Have you ever been you know, frustrated not by your own choice? That's frustrating, right? But by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated. Can you imagine creation? You, you realize creation's in bondage, right? The creation will be liberated from its bondage to decay, and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up till now. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for it, 
But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. We see creation praising the creator. They were created by God too. And creation has been subjected to decay and to frustration for all these years. And so here's this psalm saying, not only the people of God, let's praise God for his salvation, for what he's done for us. Also, in the second stanza, it's like the whole earth, even people who aren't followers of God, people who aren't part of the people of God, praise him because he's the king. Whether it looks like it or not, he is reigning. Do you ever feel like, there's no one in control in your life, and you've lost control, and you're thinking, like, God is in control. We can look back often and say, oh, okay, now I see how this was all part of, uh, in God's hand, and he was redeeming whatever it was for good, but in the midst of it, we might feel, I don't really feel like that. God is in control. He is the king. And now, it's not only every single person, it's the entire creation, mountains, that are bursting forth in praise because they have been subjected to See how it gets louder and louder and louder till the end. He will judge the world and righteousness and the peoples with equity. So this psalm is a praise psalm. This is not a lamenting psalm. It is just about praising. I forgot to mention one thing. Let's go back to verse 1. I don't know. Can you go back in the... Awesome. Sing to the Lord a new song. Why? For he's done marvelous things. His right hand is holy hand. Is verse 2. The Lord uh, has made his... Okay, verse 3. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. God has remembered his love for his people. This love, this faithfulness, this characteristic of God is at the core of who he is. The Hebrew word is hased. You may have heard that before. Ask Pastor Jordy what his tattoos mean. If you see, I think he's wearing shorts. He's down working with the children this morning. Hesed is one of his tattoos. It is a crucial, it is a central characteristic of who God is. You know, God chose this people of God, right? But he didn't want to favor them over anyone else. He chose them so that the whole earth could be blessed. All the nations can be blessed. But why did he choose them? Because they had a really strong army? Because they were good looking? Because they were giants? Do you remember why God chose them? And this is a character, this shows God's love and faithfulness. I'll tell you why. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Starts in verse 7-7. Seven, the Lord did not set his affection on you, okay, his people, and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. Okay, so they weren't large, they were small. For you were the fewest of all people. Okay, actually they were the smallest. Okay. Verse 8, but it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power, from the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. I have, I need to be wearing glasses. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. But those who hate him, he will, wipe, he will repay to their face by destruction. He will not be slow to repay their face, those who hate him. Therefore, Take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws I give you today. Uh, why did God choose people? Why did he choose the people of Israel? It's because he loved them. Like there was no prerequisite. It wasn't because they were the best tribe or the best nation or for whatever reason. In fact, they weren't. That's his love and his faith. He just chose them, and so they're praising him for that. Did you know that's how God works and he doesn't change? He still works that way today? 
isn't love people because of, of what people do or anything. Just because he loves, he can't stop loving. So this is a great reason to praise God. Okay, so I had to back, backtrack a little bit there. We've read through the whole psalm, and what do we do? Our sermons aren't sermons supposed to be like where we apply something? Okay, so here, now what do we do? Right? Okay, now we have to confess our sins, or, or now we have to go and you know, talk to someone, or I have to say sorry, or I have to, um, I have to read my Bible more. So what, what is the application from here? Isn't all scripture useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and righteousness? This is just about praising God. Just praise him. Not because he's done something for us. Our first instinct often is when we think of God is like, what can, what can I receive? What do I need? God, you know, I need a job or I, I need this or I need to get married or you know, I need friends or like I need, I need money. Let me pray. Hey, pastor, can you pray for me because we need these things? God loves to give. He's very generous and he's a good God. He loves to give things. But when we look at the Psalms, we think the people of God, their first thought of God is let's just praise him because he's awesome because he saved us in the past and he's reigning as king right now and he's going to come in the future as a judge and he is fair you know it's when there's judges we think are they going to be completely you know unbiased is there any racism or prejudice or we, we don't really know and we have a lot of really good judges but we're all human right but God is the perfect judge perfectly just and so we can rest assured that when the judgment comes it's going to be perfect completely fair we can rest in that so what do we do i think after reading this psalm and some many other psalms it's just we just praise it's not something we can go home with it's not giving any homework just praise him first first thought of god can be let's just pray because he's so awesome and the more I learn about God, I think he's even awesomer than I thought of him before. Praising keeps us, keeps us out of trouble when we're focused on him, when we're meditating and memorizing verses during, during the week. Our thoughts go there more often. And so we don't think of, okay, God, what, what can you do for me? Rather, we just think, man, you're so awesome. And that's one of the things we do on Sundays when we get together. There's no rebuke today. Sometimes there's rebuke, right? There's no correction. Sometimes there's correction. Sometimes it's just teaching. It's just praising. Psalm 90 is like, lift your eyes to God. Get them off of yourselves and let's praise him. Maybe you can put yourself in this scenario though. It's salvation in the past. When has God saved me, rescued me, answered my prayer? Praise him for that just because he loves you. Maybe you can, you can look at, he's a king. He's sitting on the throne right now and he's not worried. That's one of my favorite expressions of this last past year. Jesus isn't nervous. I know you might be, and I often get nervous, but guess what? He's not. And he's going to come in the future, and he'll be judging on his terms, which are going to be good terms, perfect and just. So we're just going to praise. We're going to do one more song, and we're going to go back in history. I see some gray hair here, so you might appreciate this. And some of you without gray hair, you can still appreciate this. We're going to go back and sing a hymn. It's just How Great Thou Art. It's my favorite song. Not because of the words necessarily, those are the words are great. It's because, well, not yet. <laughs> it's because um, when I was young, we were in a church and the kids were singing a song uh, for the parents, some evening thing. And our, we lived in a semi detached house, and there's neighbors on the other side who would come to church with us sometimes. And um, I had to have a shower that day, wash my hair, my mom said. So I did. But I didn't really want to. But then, 
our neighbors came, and there's all the kids up here singing, and that was the song we were singing, and she said, my hair was the shiniest of everyone's hair. So that made me feel really good. So I have good memories of the song, How Great Thou Art. So, thou means you, in case, um, you know, this is old language. It's a little bit old language, but it's just praising God for who he is. And, and um, as the psalm says, you don't even have to be a follower of God. You don't even have to be part of the people to praise him. And so we encourage you, let's, let's stand together in just a minute and let's praise this song, How Great Thou Art. We're going to go back, uh, I don't know how many years, to sing this song. But let me just finish in prayer. God, thank you for bringing us here today. And, um, you know, you really are good, and I'm sorry for the times when we forget that, times that we focus on ourselves and, and, um, and then we just don't even give you attention because you are the creator. You've created us. You've created us perfectly. Thank you for doing that. Lord, you help us to lift our eyes to you, help us to see who you are today, what you're doing, and how much you love us. And it's not really something for us. We're not going to get, this is for you. It's like our gift to you. It's our sacrifice to you. Please accept our off-key singing and as a pleasurable, pleasurable gift to you as we close this service. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, music team, you can come on up. And, um, and so when we're finished, we'll dismiss you. And um, children can be picked up downstairs if they're in the children's program. And all you newcomers will meet you downstairs for pizza afterwards. Please stand and let us sing this song together.